Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mignot, CEO of the experience agency, d Each week, I bring another game-changing person in business who's going to tell us something really interesting and unique, and we have a great conversation. And this week's episode is going to be fire. I am super excited to have Gary G. Nix, the founder of the Brand Archives, who talks all things culture in ways that anyone can understand. Guarantee you'll be something you won't want to miss. So have a listen. Hey, Gary. Hey, Laura. Uh, so you're somewhere weird. So there might be some background noise. So we're not gonna like focus on it. Happen. Um, yes. I'm so psyched to have you on the show um, for a slightly special episode of podcast um, because normally we don't just talk about one thing, but uh, in light of the conversation happening. Uh, I thought this would be a great conversation for you and I to have. Um, but we will still hold to this uh, podcast format of me asking me, hey, Gary, what was your first job? Okay, my first job was a junior counselor at a summer camp at Asphalt Green, the Upper East Side of New York City. Really? Yeah. And how in the world did you get that job? Um, I think it was someone that I knew or it was either someone I knew or I saw the the ad for the job at a basketball tournament at some point. Um, I've been playing basketball at Asphalt Green for years before that. Um, so there was some connection there. Um, but I think it was also my mother saying, summertime, you got to get a job. I was like, oh, okay. so How old were you? I was, I believe I was. 15? Wow. Yes, so right. 15 as a camp counselor, how, what, what was that like? Um, I mean, it was, it was an experience. <laughs> um, obviously, the, uh, the, the children that I counseled were younger than me. And, uh, you know, there were senior counselors, so I was kind of, you know, I kind of mostly helped out. And it was a sports camp mostly, so it was a job where I got to play sports and referee sports, and since I'm a sports fanatic, it worked out. It worked out pretty well. And yeah. you had to deal with crazy people and, and get people to do what you, ever, you wanted them to do, right? Uh, yeah. For the most part, they did what they were supposed to do. So, thankfully, that was good. So, Gary, what is it you do now as other, other than professional troublemaker on Twitter? <laughs> um, isn't, isn't that enough? Uh, so, <laughs> I... <laughs> What I do now, I'm a strategic branded marketing consultant and also an adjunct uh, professor. So I teach companies and people what brands actually mean uh, for better perspective on their business. And I also help them create strategies to make more money. All very important things. Yes. Um, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show this was because there has been an internet sensation that has left people and shook. Uh, and I've been seeing so many articles about it, but I haven't heard people actually speak about it. Uh, mm-hmm. Which I think oftentimes our voices are better than reading our words on the page for some folks. Yeah. So uh, I thought it would be great to have you and I have this conversation and bring a unique perspective to this. So uh, Popeyes comes out on a sandwich. All hell breaks 
and they get $25 million in essentially free media. Um, sandwiches run out, uh, memes ensue, and now, all, what does this all mean about culture and black Twitter and everything in between? So what's your perspective on this? Uh, so, uh, first, the sort of funny perspective is shout out to Popeyes for actually selling out nationwide so we can continue this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> uh, because because the conversation was about to, was kind of dying but, down. Oh, a little bit of dying, yeah. yes. And then it was just like, oh, wait a minute. No, we're not just out at these stores. We are really out. It's like, wait, what? Um, That's a supply. But then the second, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the second shout out, though, goes to that second wave of articles that actually mentioned black Twitter because there's a large number of articles that are focusing on the y'all good tweet mm-hmm. and saying that was the moment where it went viral and everyone thinks everything went crazy and, and that's the success and everything. And it's like, wait a minute, there's something that happened before. So I have to really point out the fact that the y'all good tweet Chick-fil-A's um, trying to lay their foundation as the original uh, tweet. Mm-hmm. All of that came from a conversation that took place before that, where Black Twitter was just talking about this sandwich that was about to come out. So you have this large conversation where Black Twitter, generally Black people, because it's not necessarily the same, there's of course a whole lot of overlap, mm-hmm. but Culturally speaking, black people were talking about the sandwich when they heard about it. Mm-hmm. They started to try it. They actually enjoyed the sandwich. And then once we enjoy something, we really have fun with it. So all of that conversation laid a true foundation for everything else that happened afterwards. And why and do you that- people aren't pay attention to the fact that like that's actually what the value is about but it wasn't that y'all good tweet because that was after the weekend laughing my behind off about uh what people were saying on twitter about it because i tried it and i was like okay I t- and the root had an article about it and then i shared that was the very first thing i shared and that was way before the y'all good tweet right so one of the issues one of the just giant overlying issues is the fact that so many businesses do not consider what their audience's culture uh, has to do with business. Um, in marketing and advertising, when we speak about culture, we are all too often talking about internal culture of the brand itself. Mm-hmm. And while that's important, we don't talk about the influences of the influence of what the cultures outside or our audiences or our customers' culture what influence it has on the brand, the product, the brand's internal culture. We don't have those conversations with uh, nearly enough. So that's the first problem. The second problem is the problem that we, we encounter all the time. The one where um, black people, um, specifically people of color in general, other mar- marginalized communities, uh, in general, they will create a cultural phenomenon. And then some company from the outside will somehow leverage it, 
whether they're actually trying to be a part of that community or not, they'll leverage it and they'll get, they'll get credit and the money and all other benefits from uh, the success of the product or service. That's something that we've seen happen time and time again. And the thing about this conversation is that once the first round of articles started coming out, Black Twitter was like, oh, hell no. This is not happening. <laughs> you know, I mean, if we talked about things before the, the y'all good tweet, um, and I'm going to speak in the in the order in which I saw it, because I'm, I, I have not uh, checked the dates and everything, but um, Jasmine and I feel really bad that I can't remember, that I can't remember her last name right now, um, but she used to be at Giphy, she's at Netflix now. Yeah, Jasmine who runs Strong Black Lady, yeah. Yes. She sent out a tweet, something to the effect of, the greatest strategy is to get black Twitter to like something. And I was like, that's pretty much true. Exactly what it is. You get, you know, you get, and we've seen this happen time and time again. If, you know, I know that we've been around long enough to remember when this rap music was being vilified and then all of a sudden it was an every single commercial. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another example of the same thing. Here, though, we have uh, people like David Greiner and Adweek writing about the success came from Black Twitter, going on CNN saying, hey, no, the success actually should be pointed at Black Twitter. It's not the y'all good tweet. It's actually what Black Twitter did to make all this stuff happen. And now that we're going to start, now that that conversation is really happening, we have to make sure that it continues to happen and doesn't die. And then we can start making the moves and, and holding companies accountable and pointing them in the right direction so they start doing the right things. Yes, it's going to take a while, but we need to have these, these, these pieces of proof to be able to move forward. Well, that's what it's about. I mean, at the end of the day, this is about, look, it's moving your conversation. And what? It's affecting your dollar. So that's why you need to be paying attention to this. And harness knowledge in smart ways. So what do you, you know, after y'all good sweep, where do you think Popeyes went wrong? Um, let's see, I don't know if they, it's, it's hard to say where they went completely wrong. I mean, there's the obvious of now there's going to be a point in time where they can't sell the sandwich because they don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how much research and planning went into this kind of two-month run or planned two-month run for the sandwich. Um, you know, I, I feel like, one, first of all, they, they were not ready for this level of, of awareness, um, excitement. And so think, it's hard to be... Yeah. So you really think that they, they did not anticipate it would blow up like this? They really... Oh, no, 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 they didn't. They, they did not at all. They jumped, what happened was the, the y'all good tweet, they, they have some people who do some social listening. Uh, they work with the, from what I understand, they work with the same, um, the social media team is the same one as Burger King. Mm -hmm. So we know that they do social media, uh, social media listening and they just pay attention to what's happening. Right. Um, and they jumped on and they took advantage of, advantage of an opportunity, smart business moves. It made sense. Uh, but I, I wonder what the planning process was because 
at the end of the day, it's a place that sells chicken. It would be different if it was maybe, you know, say if it was McDonald's coming out with a new version of a chicken sandwich or some place that's not known for chicken coming out with a chicken sandwich. You know, because that's one of the differences between all the other brands that jumped in or right. the, at least the larger ones. You know, Wendy's, yes, they have chicken sandwiches, but they're also known for burgers. Right. Um, you know, um, Bojangles, they need to invest in people to they take way better pictures. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> the, oh, my God. That's the sorry. sorry. That's that the most sorry. ever seen. Yeah, that was just, that was, I mean, it was funny and bad all at the same time. Um, because, you know, people actually love Bojangles chicken as well, but that picture was just like. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, they, so they had to just catch that L on that. Um, but as a place that sells chicken on the regular, I feel like they should have had a a better pulse on uh, how many chicken sandwiches needed to be produced. Uh, even with not knowing that the the, uh, the demand was going to be this high. So they didn't anticipate culture anywhere across the universe actually having this go viral. Like there wasn't that moment where someone was in the office who might have been like, you realize what happens if Black Twitter gets a hold of this? No, yeah, they, they did not go that far. They definitely did not go that far. I mean, you know, I, I was even in conversations, I have, I have been on the record saying if Black Twitter had not um, jumped into the conversation the way they did, this launch, it would have happened, but it kind of would have just fizzled and it wouldn't have been a big deal. Yeah. You know, I'm like, okay, that's it. Uh, but, you know, while, while it's hard to anticipate this level because this this was just no no one really anticipated this level but i think they could have got closer maybe they would have maybe they should have been able to run out uh next week or the week week after you know maybe like a four month run like okay wait a minute this sandwich is actually doing very well um let's up production so we can make it to the point uh where we're able to catch back up Well, you know what? I mean, do you, do you think that's a fault of, like, again, that we talk about over and over again, that who is in the room making these decisions? Because the, the marketer in me was like, how could you not realize that Black Twitter would get their hands on and go bananas off? Like, yeah, I mean, there, there had to be the people in that room uh, pretty much needed to not understand the business really well, especially from a place that the running joke is that you're going to have to wait for spicy chicken. Yeah. Like, everyone knows. You know, but everyone knows so, loves Popeyes, even though the service is kind of, okay, whatever. Um, yeah. But it's really good spicy chicken. So it's like, um, yeah. Yeah, they, they, should, have, they should have known better, at least to, to a point. Um, I don't know if it was a fear just because of the, the kind of... Um, the almost cultural market share that Chick-fil-A has had, um, being that they're in the South. And even though they do have the issues with how top brass thinks about certain things in society, mm-hmm. we can see that that has not hurt their sales that much. So I don't know if that was a fear that came up. Um, I don't know if they paid enough attention to know that people of color who really enjoy Chick-fil-A were looking for an alternative mm-hmm. because I think that insight might have changed the production schedule. 
Well, yeah, I mean, if they had the faith in, in the sandwich, maybe that would have made them say, you know what, let's make a lot because people are looking for another place to go. But, yeah, I mean, I, it just seems to me that, again, this false the fact that, like, who are you talking to when you about the kids before you have them go out? You know, we, you and I have had this conversation where it's like, you need to have people in different sides of the universe who are in business who can be like, but you realize the cultural significance that Popeyes of all companies is now making their own chicken sandwich? People already will wait in Popeyes on that drive-thru for a good half an hour because you want the spicy chicken. Mm -hmm. So if you make a sandwich that is in any way, shape, or form better than anybody else's, forget even talking about Chick-fil-A. Um, right. anybody, else, anybody else's, you can have a potential of something blowing up. And that yeah. ever happened. And the other thing that they might have left out, they might have not realized the cultural um, influence that we have on everything. So in order for this sandwich to go this viral, to sell out, it could not possibly be only us buying it. There's not enough of us to do so. Exactly. So Everybody they might have left out. Right, we. So they might have left out the part where it's like, oh, wait a minute, if this catches on, Literally everyone is going to get chicken sandwiches. And the, the even crazier thing is, is, once this happened, everyone started getting chicken sandwiches everywhere. So the place where I am right now is where I, I often work out and, and around the corner, literally around the corner from where I am right now is Chick-fil-A. Over the past two weeks, during around that lunch hour, I've seen droves of people going in and out of Chick-fil-A too. Of course. I was like, wait a minute. Now you want to Now everybody wants to try and taste. Right. Like, it's right. Very and chicken sandwiches. Period. Yeah, it, it was just like it was. It wasn't surprising, but it was also still shocking to see because I'm used to seeing Chick Fil A crowded, but I'm and I'm used to seeing New York City streets crowded, obviously. But when you see this Chick Fil A in um, Upper Midtown West, looking like the heart of Times Square. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Um, it was like, okay, yes, this is, this is really getting out of control in a good way, but, you know, out of control. And I have to give a shout-out to um, um, Rod, who's Rod Instagram on Twitter. He has a um, – uh, he and his wife have a podcast called uh, The Black Eye Who Tips, and he talked about this being the trickle-down chicken sandwich theory, where um, the popularity of Popeyes made people just buy chicken sandwiches from everywhere that they possibly could. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. It's just something that it's why it always leads to knockoffs. If everybody wants one thing and you can't get that one thing, what do you end up doing? Buying this thing that's the closest to it. Yeah. Like, I bet you if you get a correlation line of sales between Bojangles, Wendy's, heck, even Burger King's chicken sandwich, you probably see that there has been a spike in the last two weeks. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So now what's going to be interesting to see is in October when Whenever, whenever day it is in October, when Popeyes comes back out with the chicken sandwich, because right now I guess they are they are uh, concentrating on app downloads. <laughs> where they're going to do a, probably a giant push no notification where it's uh -huh. available again. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if people still care. What are they going to do to make sure that people still care about this sandwich? Because in the attention economy. You have to keep feeding 
the attention of the culture who got you there, right? So how are they going to do it? Are they going to do it well? Are they going to mess up somewhere? Is there going to be another Jerry Rice helmet incident? We don't know. <laughs> but we're going to have to take a look and see what happens because they're going to have to re-up the excitement for the chicken sandwich. And in the meantime, the, what, uh, the second best to many people will be reaping the benefits. Well, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's almost like they're going to have to either reduce the price by a dollar or say part of your chicken sandwich purchase goes to something, uh, some nonprofit, voter registration, some charity, what have you, because there's got to be a thing that now makes yeah. people do this. Because remember, this also happened in the dog summer in 2019 mm-hmm. in crazy as any as all get out. Uh, couldn't launch this obviously in January. Uh, yeah. It's like there is something that just got launched in summer, they launched in August, and people are around or on vacation and more apt to go eat fast food in the first place. Not around a holiday. Like that timing was part of it. What's special about October that's gonna make you want to come back with visit? Okay. But like now it's raining, it's cold. I mean, you know, go outside and wait online for this. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, I think if if I was running the company, I wouldn't necessarily I wouldn't lower the price of the sandwich necessarily because three ninety nine is actually not a bad price for a sandwich. It's cheap as hell. But what I would do <laughs> exactly. Um, but what I would do if I needed to do a, a kind of price reduction, I would lower the price of the combo. Okay. Lower the price of the combo. Right. So now, because they, they do that all the time. That also fits in with, with what they do. When they introduce something, they will come out with like that $5 combo, right? So if they, were, if they were to do that with that, then they would take advantage of, say, the Popeyes over by the ones that are by schools, the ones that are in areas where it's like, okay, I need a quick lunch, quick something. I need to fill myself up. It's where can I go? Yeah. And there's also something about it being, you know, the $5 meal, the four for four is why those, those, why those even less than $6 meals have become so popular with fast food places because where their proximity is and just wanting something to eat, you know, the hell with it being a healthy option. Mm-hmm. So what do you think brands are learning from people? Do you, so yes, yeah, again, and it's an opportunity for people to see why the power of Black Twitter is so important. Why do you think brands keep missing how to monetize this? The first thing I think they are trying to the first reason why I think they miss is because they are trying to monetize and not trying to be a part of something. They are thinking of everything backwards. They are. We we've seen it since like the the beginning of time, because companies need money or businesses need money to survive. The lifeblood of a business is money. So they focus on that. But what they should be doing is focusing on the most optimal way to make money. Not focusing on the money itself, but focusing on how they make money. The way they make money is from the communities um, that buy their product. You make a better, uh, make a better connection with that community. You build better relationships with that community. 
they are going to be more willing to, one, give you their money, and two, tell other people to give you their money. Because everyone is, is chasing the, the number, they're not chasing the way to get to the number. And because culture is one of those things that links community together, that's one of the shared experiences that communities have, that's why it's so important to understand where your product or service fits within that culture so that you can be a part of it, not just trying to jump into the culture and just push it, push something on the culture. Because after a while, the, the community will push back if you just keep trying to push yourself on the culture. So you think it's, it's, it's finding that balance and like, you know, not trying too hard, but, but getting in the conversation and then staying in the conversation. Yeah, it's, a, it's also not even just, it's not only trying to get in the conversation, it's also listening. I literally just listening. Sometimes you just have to listen. Yep. And see where the people want you to be. If you listen well enough, you will quickly learn where you belong and then you can try to figure out how to have a better presence within without trying to take over or without trying to um, you know, be a burden or just be a general annoyance or doing things like that. Now you have to understand where you need to fit. You need to integrate. Um, this goes back to a, a kind of theory I had on brand loyalty uh, for, for almost a decade at this point, where you have the companies where are like, how do we make customers more loyal? How, how, do, we, how do we fix brand loyalty? Oh, brand loyalty is dead because no one is loyal to brands anymore. It's like, stop trying to force loyalty on someone. If you do what you're supposed to do, if you take care of them, you build a relationship with a person, they will become loyal to you if they enjoy their experience. So you do the things that make people loyal. Be loyal to your customer. That will come back to you from the customer. You know, it's, sometimes we have to simplify just the approach or the concept and then build on that because we're dealing with people. People are not all that complex at scale. Right? You have different nuances between different audiences or different communities, what have you. But people have simple um, desires. They want to be liked. They want to be involved. They want to have a voice. You know, they want to be a part of everything that they do. And that includes the things that they buy. So if you think about human behavior, you think about those things, you think about the cultural norms, especially for a food brand, where food is one of the, the easiest cultural connectors. If you think about those types of things, these are going to, if you find a success within that, you are going to make the money. Money is going to come. Mm -hmm. you know? So I think it's that, it's that shift in perspective. It's that shift in, in approach. Just thinking of things from a, from a long-term um, perspective. Not only think about how am I going to make this money right now, how am I going to make this money now, how am I going to make it tomorrow, how am I going to make it next week, how am I going to make it next month, how am I going to make it next year, how am I going to do these things? Because I guarantee you, there's no company that only wants people to buy from them once. But of course, it's, it, the conversation is like, I, how do I keep that going, how do I keep engaging, it's like no, listening, and then it's being smart when you do that. <laughs> That's why you have to look at it from the standpoint of relationship. Yes, 
It is true that brands are not people. Brands are people. What do you mean, Grant? Come on, Gary. No, no, I'm saying okay. So the brand of business is not people, but it's run by, but it's, but it's, but it's run by people. It's run by people. So you're gonna have that there. You know, so like just think about the ways that you interact and you have relationships with people, and you extrapolate that into a way that makes sense from brand to customer. So what do you think is next in the land wars? Is this over now? What, are, are we going to be on to the next thing now? What do you think? And, and what do you think and Chick-fil-A will probably do uh, when this pops back up in October? That's going to be the other interesting, interesting thing to see because I think that they are, even though the, the, the numbers are coming in and they're fine, I think they're looking at their wounds a little tiny bit from the Y'all Good tweet just because of the, the jokes that came from it and the jokes that are still coming from it. Um, I don't really think that Chick-fil-A is going to do much different because I don't see anything in the way that the company itself thinks that's going to make that happen. <laughs> um, I feel like they, they feel like they're good where they are. And that can be beginning of a death knell for business. Um, another thing that I, that I talk about is the, the good enough marketing, where there's a company, a large company, who is sufficient, they're okay, and they're getting enough money to stay in the top 10, top 5, 10, top 3. But somehow it seems that they've forgotten what it took to get them there. They've lost that hunger. And I think that Chick-fil-A is one of those brands. From everything that I've seen thus far, Chick-fil-A seems to be one of those brands. Now, if they surprise us with something trying to be cultural, <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be interesting to watch them because once again, we have uh, we have knowledge of the way that the top brass feels about societal issues. So that would be called out uh, immediately. Like I said, it's be interesting to see. I think they're not going to do much. Well, it's like because they have to make too many changes to actually be able to do something and, and not get kind of cooked for it. But also, they're open six days a week and are opening more stores every single day. in New York City alone. Very close to the largest Chick Fil A in America. That place is packed every day at twelve o'clock. Yeah. No matter what, rain or shine. Exactly. So, you know, somebody's buying it. <laughs> like, oh yeah, like I said, the numbers aren't—they're—they're they're not hurting for numbers. So, so like, if, they, do they need to do anything different? So right if, now, they don't. Well, I mean, kind of in response to the y'all good tweet, they could reply no. <laughs> be like, well, <laughs> I, 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 I don't have to do anything here. Yeah. yeah. I, what do you want me to do? Like, no, I'm good. I, um. So it'll, be, it'll, it'll totally be interesting. How do you think brands can be smarter about these sorts of things? Can they ride the wave more effectively? Or is it just, you know, unless they listen, that's probably the only way this can work. Yeah, so, so here's the part where the, where the diversity and inclusion conversations that are taking place in the industry come in, right? Because um, we're talking about cultural things, and we talk about, you know, the, the old diversity of thought and blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, right. 
if people start understanding more about culture, they'll understand, or they should better understand that diversity of thought comes with diversity of experience and diversity of person because the way you, you uh, experience things and the the cultures in which you grew up and the cultures you know uh, where you live and all those things all those things bring the diversity of thought in right there are certain things you can have all the empathy in the world but you cannot have the experience of someone who is that different from you right but, but that's, a, that's a perspective that you're going to need because if you're selling to if you're trying to sell to general market, and I mean general market in the term that it should mean, like basically everybody. Everybody. You need to have as much of everybody represented with a voice, with decision-making power, and with all of that in order to make the best decisions. Once again, super simple concept. It's what you need. And you know, it's kind of like what we've been talking about. Why we're we're going to be launching the culture boards and brands because, like, if you don't create a conversation with people who come from different backgrounds, but who are also business people, because you can be an influencer all day long, but never actually understand business context, that also is a problem. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. where the thought comes from. I think it's so very important. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, this would be great, but here's why, from a business standpoint, bad idea. <laughs> Don't do that. That's just you'll tick off the wrong people. Um, yeah. So, what's what's what are you next working on, Gary? Um. So, I am working on a book titled "To Be Determined Later" because I think I'm gonna. It might, there's a, there's a distinct possibility it'll turn into two books, not coming out at the same time. But I'm doing a lot of writing. Um, I'm working some things in the background. Um, I'm doing some, I'm, I'm helping the One Club for Creativity with a couple of things right now and uh, looking to help other uh, companies with some things. There's a lot of things that are up in the air right now. Mm. Uh, once we get past Labor Day and we get back into straight work mode again. Uh, I think some of those things will start falling into place. Uh, I'll be speaking at Propellify in October. And um, I, uh, I also have another presentation that I'm looking to do that is for us. Uh, that I think this whole Popeyes conversation uh, has helped flesh out even more than it already was fleshed out. Uh, and that's called Vultured Culture. So. Uh, don't know what that's going to be yet, but I'm working on that. There's a lot of I have a lot of balls in the air right now, uh, but there's some things that are about to to happen in this lovely fourth quarter and first quarter of 2020 coming up. Awesome. Well, speak on it because we want this to happen because more people need to hear from you, Gary. Um, thank you so much. I want to put all of your details so people can follow this man on Twitter. Uh, he knows what, what he speaks. Uh, have him speak at your panels, have him keynotes, have him write your articles, because that's also part of this. We want to make sure that our voice is heard by people who understand how things work and we think about while we're doing it. And Gary is one of those people. Um, so, so happy to get you on the show today, sir. Um, no, it was, it was a pleasure, as always, speaking to you, Laura. 
<laughs> I try. <laughs> uh, and that's the one, uh, sorry, Shell. Sure.